Good morning, Celebration Church. We're here to talk about courageous Christmas. You know, I don't know anybody this time of year that is not going through something. It seems like this is the season that we face battles. But I'm here to tell you today, the Word of God is stronger than anything you face. His promises are greater than any circumstance. Amen? Amen. You know, uh, a lot of you don't know me very well. I spent 35 years in law enforcement. So, you know, law enforcement's kind of my background. I was reincarnated into an associate pastor. But, you know, I, I love to talk about stories, and Keenan will tell you, I'm always telling stories in the office about things that's happened to me. But there's nothing like talking about the Word of God. There is nothing that warms your heart like talking about the Word of God. So this morning, we're going to talk about courage to trust God, having the courage to trust God. And we're going to look at Luke 1, and we'll start out in verse 11. Luke is talking about Zacharias, who was a priest in the temple. Zacharias is the father of John the Baptist. And then most of you know John the Baptist was the first cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist was the messenger preceding Jesus, the Messiah. Zacharias' name means the Lord has remembered. You want to remember that. That's important. Zacharias was a descendant of Aaron, who was the first high priest of Israel, who was also the brother of Moses. And not only Zacharias was a descendant, but his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Zacharias had priestly duties to perform in the temple. And these priests back then, the scripture that they had, they knew it backwards and forward. That's what they did. That was their life. They knew it backwards and forwards. So the prophecy, the last prophecy before John the Baptist arrived was in Malachi, and it was 400 years roughly before he came on the scene. And I promise you, Zacharias would have known this scripture. He would have been very familiar with it. The angel Gabriel brought the message to Zacharias about the birth of John the Baptist, his son. The angel Gabriel is also the same angel that appeared to Daniel in the Old Testament, same angel that appears to Mary a short time after he appeared to Zacharias. And the, the name Gabriel means God is my strength. God is my strength. So let's look in Luke 1. We'll start out in verse 8. It says, It so happened that as Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment, it came his one term turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of the incense offering. Unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was paralyzed in fear. He probably wasn't paralyzed in fear because an angel showed up. It was because where the angel showed up in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Because if you know much about the history of that, they used to tie a rope around the priest's ankle when he goes into that inner place. Because if he did anything wrong and he died, they'd drag him back out. So he was probably fearful seeing something out of the ordinary in the temple. And then let's look down in verse uh, 
13. It says, but the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son by you. That's a good thing. You are to name him John. See, most scholars believe that, that Zacharias was probably in his late 90s and his wife Elizabeth in her late 80s when this angel came. And he says, your prayers are answered. You will have a son. The name John means God is gracious. He goes on to say, you're going to leap like a gazelle for joy, and not only you, many will delight in his birth. He'll achieve great stature with God. How great was John the Baptist? Jesus said there was no prophet greater than John the Baptist. That says a lot. Because when you look back at all the prophets in the Old Testament and how powerful they were, that is saying a bunch. He goes on to say, verse uh, 15, He'll drink neither wine nor beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment he leaves his mother's womb. He will turn back many sons and daughters to their God. He will herald God's arrival in the style and strength of Elijah, who was super powerful. He will soften the hearts of parents to children and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He'll get the people ready for God. Praise God. That was his purpose in life to get the people ready for God. When he says he'll neither drink wine nor beer, what he was telling him was he's going to raise him as a Nazarite. A Nazarite is one who is consecrated to God. And the vow of a Nazarite was they wouldn't drink any intoxicating beverages, they wouldn't cut their hair, and uh, they wouldn't touch any dead thing. You know, Samson was a Nazarite. The prophet uh, Samuel was a Nazarite also. We go on in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, Do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man. My wife is an old woman. You know, isn't that just like us? I mean, we have a whole Bible full of the truth. Full of the truth. But yet when something comes in our life that we physically can't, seem to grab a hold of what's going on we ignore what the word says here he is he has an angel standing before him giving him the word of God and he doubts it you know he's saying I'm an old man barely getting by what ain't sagging is dragging you know I've been envious of that Brandon Clark feller you know I don't have any kids Honestly, it's just like us. It's just like us. You know, if Moses had looked at the physical circumstances when he's standing there looking at the Red Sea instead of trusting God to do what he was told to do, they would have been slaughtered right there on the bank of the Red Sea, right? You can't rest your trust in just the physical circumstances. You cannot do it. You've got to trust the Word of God. You know, the one thing that Satan will always try to do to you is get you into the fear that God's promises won't come to pass. Isn't that right? Amen. That's true. If you got the little fill-in-the-blank thing there, my first thing is don't allow your physical inability to deny 
God's supernatural ability. Don't allow your physical inability to deny God's supernatural ability. You know, you contrast the way Mary received the news from Gabriel. She didn't deny it. She didn't say, I don't believe that. Her response was more like, you know, inquiring minds want to know. What she said was, well, how's this going to happen? You know, because I haven't been out here sleeping around anything like that. So, you know, how's this going to happen? She didn't not believe God. She just wanted to know how it was going to take place. Praise God for Mary's trust. Let's go on in verse 19. The angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, the messenger of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time. I guarantee you when Zacharias heard, I am Gabriel, he probably had another shiver of fear go through him because if he knew his scripture, and we know he did, he knew who Gabriel was. And I would imagine, this is just my thinking, sometimes my thinking's out here, but I can see Gabriel standing there, probably a little bit put out right now. He brings this word of God. You know, we're looking for the Messiah. And here you got a guy that doesn't want to cooperate. You know, how many times have I been in that place? Many times. But Gabriel, he says, you know what? I'm sure he's thinking to himself. It took 4,000 years for God to find a willing and obedient woman to have the Messiah. I'm not going to let this guy mess it up. I'm not going to let this guy mess it up. And so instead of just telling him to zip his mouth, I'm going to zip it for him. And that's what he did. And it was all because of his unbelief. Here's the second fill in the blank. Fear and unbelief can interfere with God's plans. Fear and unbelief can interfere with God's plans. Sometimes it's better off, we're better off just to be silent. Sometimes we don't need to say a word. You may be thinking something in your heart. Don't speak it. You know, why cooperate with that fear? And then we have to ask the question, well, can we interfere with God's plans? You know, he's almighty God. He's a sovereign God. Absolutely he is. He is. But you can interfere. And if you look, Psalm 78:41 in the New King James Version, it's talking about Israel. It says, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God by their unbelief, by their whining and complaining. They limited God. And then also in Deuteronomy 7.17, King James Version, If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are greater than us, how can I dispossess them? God is saying, You know, I'm going to dispossess these people for you, but if you say in your heart, We can't do it, how can I do it? God wants our cooperation. God wants a relationship with us. God wants us to believe him. You know, last week, Nat was talking about flying and the, the fear of flying, and it reminded me, uh, some of you that come to the Bible study that we have 
have heard this story, but bear with me. I'll tell it again. We were uh, just back in the early 2002, three, right in there somewhere. And we were flying a little operation out in far west Texas, and we were in the chopper, and we had gone from Alpine up almost to the Guadalupe Mountains, which lays on the New Mexico border. And we got caught in a cold front. And this front blowing in, and it's strong, and it's sleeting, and it's snowing. And so we, we turned the chopper, and they're headed back to our base camp, which was south of Alpine at Elephant Mountain. Well, we didn't make it. We, we got over there between Balmeray and Fort Davis, and everything's icing up, and you can't see, and the ceiling was like 40 feet. So we set the chopper down in a pasture. And we sat there about three hours, ceiling lifted a little bit, pilot who was an exceptionally good pilot Vietnam pilot he said we're going to track and we're going to hover you know right above the highway and we're going to try to make it back to our camp I'm good with that my boss is sitting in the back seat I'm up in the front seat with the pilot so we fly into Fort Davis like that and then we fly over to Alpine that way we start south of Alpine and the pilot told me he said uh or he asked me, he said, are there any highline wires between here and where we're going? I said, yeah. That five-mile hill south of Alpine, there's a highline goes right across right there at the top. And he said, okay, you be watching for it. Let me know when you see it. So we're flying, and we're flying slow, but, you know, we're not real high off the ground. And I'm watching. I'm watching for this highline wire. And it's snowing, and it's sleeting, and it's cold, and, and you're very alert at that point and uh, about that time I see it and I said highline so Lee was the pilot he pulls the chopper to the right to avoid the highline well there's a canyon and then there's another mountain right here I knew the mountain was there but you couldn't see it with all the snow and everything and we're just you know going through all this and I'll never forget it all of a sudden I saw the mountain and I just said ground on the intercom that's all I could think to say and I'll never forget he pulls back on the stick and we start going up up and it, to me it felt like we were going up like this but he said later no we hovered straight up but you couldn't see anything you're totally surrounded by the weather the, the clouds the sleet the snow you couldn't see anything and nobody said a word it was dead silence in that chopper and finally, at 7,200 feet, we break out of the clouds. And way off in the west, I could see the sun shining. And my boss in the back seat, he was pretty much a heathen. And uh, <laughs> he said, he said, are we in heaven? <laughs> I thought to myself, no, because you're still here. You're still here. I had to repent of that later. But anyway... I looked over at Lee. I said, how close were we to hitting the mountain? He said, about eight or ten feet. Eight or ten feet. And you know, when Nat was talking last week, it, it reminded me something I never thought about on this story. But we never said a word when that was going on. We kept our mouth shut. And if I had cried out in fear or if my boss had or if Lee had panicked he could have pulled us right into the mountain it had been all over Laurie would have been a very wealthy widow <laughs> but you know we didn't speak 
We didn't say a word. Thank God we didn't speak out in fear and unbelief. Amen? You know, another thing, when Gabriel brought the message to Mary, Mary got into peace very quick. Very quick she got into peace because her trust was in God. Contrast that to Zacharias. He had about nine months to think about it. He had a time. had a time to think about it. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Philippians 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. If your trust is in God, there's no reason to fear. I don't care what you go through. There is no reason to fear. There is a time when unbelief can be a good thing. There is a time. It's not often. Let's see if I can get through this. I was sitting over there a while ago thinking about this. But unbelief can be a good thing when you choose not to believe something contrary to the Word of God. And you've got to make that decision. You've got to choose. Last uh, February, my wife went in the hospital what was supposed to be a, like a couple of weeks. We're going to go up to Plano Heart Hospital and get a little minor procedure done and we'll be home. Turned into four months. And uh, I'll never forget it because I'm an outdoor person. You know, I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to be outside. And being in the hospital to me is like being in prison. You know, you're stuck there. And for the most part, it was just me and my wife there. And my kids, you know, our kids, they would come up to see us, you know, but they're working and they have families. And I'll never forget the feeling. Sometimes I almost wish they wouldn't come because I cry so hard when they left. I, it was tough. And, uh, but one day, I'll never forget this. Laurie was up. She had a major lung surgery. Two weeks later, a major heart surgery. And then a week after that, we had gone for a short walk, you know, down the hallway. And she didn't feel right. And she said, something's not right. And so took her back to the room, set her on the bed, and I'm just kind of watching her. And then I realized she's out of it. She's out of it. And I'm not going to go into the whole story. There were some things that I said that, thank God, I knew the word. I thank God that the Holy Spirit spoke through me. But they called the doctor in there, and the doctor, he looks at her. He said, Mr. Whitaker, he said, she has sepsis, I'm sure. And he said, I don't know what else is going on. But he said, we need to do a CAT scan immediately. And so they did. And, and she had had a clot break loose, and it went through her left lung, shut off the air to that. So he comes in, he tells me, he says, she got sepsis. She's got a clot in that lung. He said, we could lose her today. I said, no. No, I don't, I don't accept that. He said, no, you, he thinks I'm just in denial. He, he, and I am in denial. I'm in denial of the physical circumstances. But I'm not in denial of what the Word of God says. But I kept telling him, no, I, I don't accept that. And he, he, he said, you don't understand me. We could lose her today. This is how serious this is. 
I don't care. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I don't. I care what the Word of God says. And that's what I have to bank on. And if my trust is in anything else, we're going to be disappointed. But God will never disappoint you. God will never disappoint you. I'll never forget that day. And there were many other days I could tell you story after story that went on in the hospital. How many times we came close to the devil snatching her out of my life. I refused it because that's not what the Word of God promised me. Amen? The Word of God promises us a long life. He never leaves us or forsakes us. It says in there, He heals all our sicknesses and diseases. But we've got to cooperate with that. We have to believe that to receive it. She's here today. You know, we finally got out of that place. I'll never forget. Freedom. Getting in that car to drive away. You know, during all that time, one of those doctors finally come in and said, it's God. It had to be God because it wasn't us. I said, I know that. I know that. Praise God for doctors. They're fighting the same enemy, but they don't have the final say. God has the final say. So, how does the story of Zacharias end? Well, if we look down in Luke 1, 23, 24, we see a miracle take place. Zacharias gets through with his priestly duties. He goes home, and his wife conceives. Miracle. He's 90-something years old. Most people I know 90-something years old wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> then you look in Luke 1, 57 through 64. It says the baby is born and all the family is gathered around. What are they going to name him? What are they going to name him after their dad? I mean, that was pretty common. And he asked for a tablet. You remember, all this time, he's mute. He can't speak. He asked for a tablet and he writes on it, his name is John. And immediately when that happens, his mouth is open, his tongue is loosed, and he begins to praise God and prophesy. Amen. What a miracle. What a miracle. Here's the, th the thing. I think this is a fill-in-the-blank, too. God's promises come at exactly the right time when we don't get in the way with our unbelief. See, it takes courage to say, I trust you, God, no matter what. No matter what. And, and you know, it's not denying. If you're having financial problems, and this is a time of year a lot of people have financial trouble, it's, it's not denying that your checkbook says zero, you, you know. But the Word of God says that He'll supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus, according to His riches and glory amen i mean that's what we got to look at we, we got to quit focusing on the physical things and begin to focus on what god promises and that's what zacharias finally came to that point he finally had the courage to write that out his name is john his name is john would have been a lot easier back in the beginning if he had just said thank you i take that amen we'll have a son name him john He'll precede the Messiah. Amen? I would encourage you this time of year, whatever, whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter. There's nothing too big for God. 
There's not anything you face that you cannot overcome with yourself and trust in God. And, and that is a way of life. It's not a, you know, take a shot over here and then go do what you want to for a while and then take another shot. Well, I'm going to try God for a while here, try God for a while there. No, it, it's a way of life. It's an everyday adventure, every day. And if I promise you this, if you will consistently, continually seek God and put your trust in Him, He will not fail you. He will never let you down. Amen? Amen. You know, if there's someone here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, it's really easy to come to know Him. If you just say, you know what, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to the cross for me. I believe you shed your blood for me. I believe that you took my sins away as far as the east is from the west. You can have that today. You can have that eternal relationship. And one day, you'll be in heaven with him. I've never doubted my salvation. When I received it, I knew it was mine. And I still know that. That's 54 years ago. It's the same for you today. It's, if y'all would just bow your head a minute. If you're here and you want to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, just raise your hand right now. Amen. Amen. It's that simple. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He died for you. He died for you to make things right. It says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's for those of us who believe. So if you would, everyone here, just speak this, this prayer after me. Father God, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you that Jesus died for me. He redeemed me from the pit. He has removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. And I receive him today at this moment. Yes, Amen. Praise God. Would our prayer team come up, please? If you're here and you're battling something, we've got people here to pray with you. You know... I, like I said earlier, there is nothing too great for God. God, He's on your side. He wants to help you. We've got people up here that will pray with you right now. It doesn't matter if it's an illness you're, you're battling, it's a financial problem, it's a marriage problem, it's a wayward child. God is everything you need, but you've got to place your trust in Him. You've got to place your trust in Him. We'll pray and, and we'll dismiss, but anybody will be up here for a while. If y'all need prayer, please come up. Father God, I just thank you so much that you are our God. You're our Abba Father, our Daddy God. I thank you that you've blessed us according to your word with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. That you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So we believe that right now. We receive that. And we speak forth your name in confidence and trust that you will never fail us. 
you will never leave us or forsake us no matter what. We thank you for that this morning. I ask you to bless everyone as they go. And we thank you for this joyous Christmas season. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.